Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We'd like to welcome today for the very first time, Andrew Hecht, partner at BubbaTrading.com. He's a leading columnist at Seeking Alpha, as many of you will know, and for over three decades has been a trader in precious metals and commodities. He speaks to us from his place in Las Vegas, Nevada. Andy, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thank you so much for having me, Charlie. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So, Andy, uh, tell us, commodities have been your life for several decades, and that marketplace, as most of us know, is known as a hectic, high-pressure world. Uh, what have the rest of us missed that you think you have caught and are glad you've caught it? Well, you know, I started my background, I started my, my career in commodities back in the 70s when I was a mere teenager, and uh, I worked for a company called Philip Brothers, which was at the time the largest merchant uh, commodities trading house. So I learned the business from the bottom up, which meant that, you know, I first learned how to uh, traffic the commodities from points of production to points of consumption, went on to become a trader, derivatives trader, a physical trader, and uh, kind of went on in the 80s and 90s to run a number of businesses, including their global precious metals business, um, sugar business, nickel trading business. I was very involved in the energy trading business. So I was blessed to have a very wide um, uh, purview at the company as a proprietary trader and as a, um, a deal maker and financier and you know, so I learned a lot about the physical markets, which kind of gave me a great background to other markets. And, you know, commodities are fascinating because unlike stocks or bonds, they're they're global markets. You know, everyone is a consumer of commodities and production is kind of very specific in, in certain areas where the, the soil is rich in agriculture or the, the crust of the earth is rich in uh, in minerals. Okay, and and, and uh, so tell us, the commodities are trading is known for large gains and large losses. Uh, is that an accurate description, or have they gotten a bum rap on that? Well, no, they 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 move, Charlie. I mean, you know, they can trend for very long periods of time, but um, it's not unusual to see the prices double or triple or more or have in very short time periods. It's all a function of the pricing cycle. Prices tend to rise uh, to levels where high prices cure high prices and they fall to levels where low prices cure low prices because of the production and consumption cycles. And so why do you prefer that over the more stable, even stayed uh, equities and fixed income? Well, I guess. I guess I'm an action junkie. <laughs> I like <laughs> you must be. <laughs> uh, you know, I always say that, you know, um, uh, uh, volatility creates a paradise of opportunities for nimble traders with their fingers on the pulse of markets. The futures markets uh, allow you to leverage. In other words, use a small amount of capital to control a large amount of a commodity. 
the futures markets, the liquid futures markets, the gold, the oil, um, a lot of the grains and, and a lot of others, they offer tight bid offer spreads and um, they move. And, and movement is good for trading and for trend following investing. So trend following, uh, all that I've heard and uh, about uh, the commodities marketplace, futures market, is that uh, most everybody does trend following. And I, and I believe the turtle traders, we've interviewed one of the turtle traders from uh, the 1980s, and I believe that that whole system was trend following. Is is the market 90% trend following or or not? It's hard to, to put a number on it. Look, I look at the market, I use what I call a technomental approach. So yes, <laughs> okay. following is very important. But also because of my background, um, I look at supply and demand. You know, we talked about prices a little bit. They tend to move in bear markets to levels where production drops because producers don't make money, where inventories start to decline because everyone loves a sale and consumers buy more. They find bottoms at those levels. In bull markets that, you know, producers increase production inventories start to grow and consumers start to look for substitutes. So they reach price tops. So, you know, I look at that in terms of fundamentals, but trend following is very important. And especially with a lot of money coming into the markets these days, trends, the trend is your friend and uh, until it bends. Okay. Okay. So, so tell us, um, what do you think, is among the most misunderstood aspects of the futures and commodities markets. What do you wish that investors and traders and advisors knew that you think you know about that market? You know, I just mentioned it, and I'll, I'll give a little story. Uh, I'll tell you a little story about my career. Back in 1985, the price of sugar dropped to an all-time low, 2.29 cents a pound. Sugar is traded in a range over the last, I guess, five decades or so over our lifetime from that low to 66 cents a pound. I remember sitting on the trading desk and noticing sugar, you know, approaching that 2.3 cents. And I said to my boss, I was a young trader. I said to him, Sydney, um, you know, sugar, it's not going to go to zero. What's maybe we should take a long position. And he turned to me and he said, why would I buy anything that they give away for free in restaurants? So the, the, the bottom line is that sugar dropped to a level where, um, you know, producers just cut their production. It, it was underwater. They, they couldn't make any money. And as I said before, inventory started to drop. The price found the bottom. P.S. A year later, you know, sugar was four times the price. It was around 10 cents. By the way, today, sugar is, a, is around 17 cents a pound. But the point is, what, what I'd like people to understand is that prices tell a story. And prices tell us a story because we're all consumers of these things. And that's what really... And, and the other thing is that commodities affect all of our investments. Every company we invest in buys raw materials. Every All of us, we fill up our gas tanks with gasoline. We eat. We, we consume commodities every day. So it's such an important part of our life that as an investor, you really need to know something about it because it goes to the cost of goods sold. So so tell us, if, if, if my world of... Uh of equities investing and even some fixed income. We use fundamentals. Is the company uh, making 
a profit, okay? Are the earnings per share moving in the right direction, et cetera? How, what kind of financial fundamentals can you use for timber and sugar and agricultural products and oil, et cetera? It, it, it goes to, to two things. Number one is, um, is production cost. So you have a, a production is a very localized affair. For example, in copper, Chile produces the most copper in the world. You know, oil, over 50% of the world's oil reserves are in the Middle East, you know, in the OPEC countries. When the prices fall below production costs, production tends to go down, to, uh, to, to decline. When it rises, it tends to increase. So those are the types of fundamentals that I look at and that you know exist in the commodities markets. And they all translate and feed into those fundamentals in the stock market because these companies are securing these as part of their operations. So let's talk a little specifically here. Uh, Lumber. Lumber today, I understand, is about 400% what, what it typically has been uh, in the past. So what happened? And was that easily foreseen? I presume not. Um, who foresaw this, etc.? Lumber is a, is a unique case, okay? So you have two things going on here. The global pandemic caused lumber mills to shut down. People stayed home and they started doing home improvements. Interest rates went down to you know historic lows, so the new home uh, market started exploding. And work from home added to that, so people were moving out of urban centers. And now, you know, tax-related issues are driving people from your home state of California to my home state of Nevada, you know, in droves. So new home construction, together with lower production at mills, has created a wild bull market. Now, look, Charlie, when when parabolic moves in markets happen. I never try to pick tops. I never try to pick bottoms in bearish abysses like we saw in crude oil last year. You go with the flow, you go with the trend until it turns. Right now, the trend in lumber remains higher. Look, before um, 19, I guess before 2018, lumber never traded above $493 per thousand board foot. Today, I'm looking at the screen, it's $1,300. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. Uh, but but the impact that that's going to have on the uh, whole price of homes, price of construction, you know, uh, you know, Home Depot, places like that has got to be tremendous. Right. Absolutely. And you know what adds to it even more is the two point two trillion dollar infrastructure rebuilding package that, you know, the Biden administration is um, proposing because. Hey, lumber is a basic building block of construction. So, you know, if we're going to rebuild the crumbling roads, bridges, tunnels, airports, government buildings. It's going to take a lot of wood. So tell us, what, what is the size of the uh, commodities and futures marketplace that, that you're in, in comparison to the equities and, and uh, you know, the stock market uh, you know, each market, each commodity is idiosyncratic. So the gold market is a huge market. And I look at gold as a hybrid between foreign exchange and a metal and a raw material. Yeah. yeah. Copper is smaller than gold. 
Oil is a very big market. Sugar is a very big market. Cotton is a very small market. In aggregate, the commodities market is massive because, you know, if you put together all of these raw materials that are the building blocks of society, it's a massive trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars, um, you know, and comparable to the equity markets or the or the bond market. But it, but I look at each one idiosyncratically and liquidity is key. So, you know, markets like we hear a lot about markets like gold and oil and corn. We don't hear a lot about lumber, which you brought up before, very thin market, right. ethanol. We don't hear a lot about cotton. But these are all markets that move and are interesting. I mean, so many different commodities trade on the on the futures exchanges. In aggregate, it's a giant asset class. But each one operates independently. But but having said that, they tend to f- go in unison. They tend to trend together. Okay. And I presume weather has uh, a major effect on certainly agriculture and others, right? It does. I mean, certainly it has uh, agriculture. You know, we, we're now entering the crop season, the 2021 crop season. We're at the planting point. We'll go into the growing season, which leads to the harvest. For energy, we're coming out of the heating season for natural gas, and we're going into the driving season for gasoline. Um, you know, each market is different. I mean, gold does not have a lot of seasonality. I mean, there's the Indian wedding season, and, you know, there's times when China buys a lot of gold seasonally, but some are seasonal, some are not. The ones that grow from the soil tend to be seasonal. Yeah, I, I can see that. So tell us, in, in the uh, U.S. stock market, we can say with, with some degree of, of accuracy and, and confidence that the individual investor owns about 20% of, uh, of the investments in the stock market, uh, and the rest are owned by institutions. Do you have uh, statistics similar to that in uh, the commodities and futures market? Uh, you know, individuals, I presume, would be very, very low percentage of ownership of things. It's a great uh, question, Charlie. And I would say that commodities are much more volatile than stocks. And the percentage ownership by individuals or funds or speculators go higher and lower with the prices. Look, everyone loves a bull market. So in bullish times, you have a lot of flow looking for alternative investments. If you look at the overall base, you have hedgers. Those are the producers and consumers who use the markets to lock in prices. You have arbitrageurs who are market makers. And then you have the speculators. So, you know, it changes with the kind of flow of price how big it is. I would say it's rising today. Um, We have many more speculators. And the way that I measure that is to look at the open interest in futures contracts, which is the total number of open long and short positions, which has been trending higher. The other thing to remember also is that demand side of the curve for all commodities is rising. In At the turn of this century, there were 6 billion people in, in the world. Today, there's almost 7.8 billion. It's about 29% higher. So technology has kept up with production, you know, has has increased production. But the demand side of the the, um, fundamental equation is ever growing. So it's something to take into consideration. The market is growing for commodities because of the demand. Uh, So so tell me, a rather sore subject for me, 
and probably other advisors is the managed futures marketplace. Now that again, uh, that's not the commodities and futures uh, marketplace directly, but it is managed futures so that advisors and investors can invest through ETF type investments, et cetera. It really struggled up until, I don't know, a year or so ago, really struggled for several years. Do you have insights you can give us uh, as to why that was the case? Absolutely. As I said, you know, look, commodity price cycles, whether they're in the idiosyncratic commodities or at the in the overall asset class, um, are have ups and downs. And we're coming out of a period in, over the past years where it was kind of a down period. We had after the global financial crisis, you know, an explosion. And, and really, it was because of the same reason we're seeing now. You know, in 2008, the central banks had a reduced interest rates. The government stimulated with bailouts, and we saw commodity prices explode from 2008 to 2011 and 2012. That was a very good period for managed futures. From 2012 through around 2019, prices were down and they were steady, and the volatility wasn't that great in the asset class. So that led to a difficult period. But now in 2020, look, what the central banks are doing with liquidity. What the, the governments are doing with stimulus are reigniting inflation. And that's why you're seeing, you know, managed futures make a comeback. You have to look at that sector as an extremely, um, um, you know, volatile uh, with, with the chance to, to make significant profits. And hey, with any reward, there comes the risk. Um, but it's making a comeback now because more people are flocking into it. And I think it's because of rising inflationary pressure. Hey, well, thank you. That's that's an excellent answer that uh, we've asked, uh, and we've asked that question before, and we really appreciate that that insight. So let's uh, move on a little bit to some more general questions. We like to ask our guests: What book on investing would you recommend for our listeners here, Andy? You know, I follow. To me, I follow price action. I mean, I'll be um, uh, a little. Um, I wrote a book <laughs> for. Oh, okay, uh, for hey, that's fine. I wrote a book for McGraw-Hill back in 2013 called How to Make Money in Commodities. You know, it's available on Amazon. But to be honest, books are difficult. I am much, I much rather see people follow price action, get used to price action. Books can tell us what happened in the past. And the past can always, you know, give us insight into the future. But things are never the same. They, what, what is the old saying that history repeat, doesn't repeat, it rhymes. So right. watching price action and understanding price action and trying to explain why things are happening is a much better kind of learning tool than is, um, you know, a book. I, I don't think there's any book that can really lay it out, lay out, you know, what, what, what to do other than typical economics and understanding the macro economic uh, and my Paul Samuelson economics text from college. <laughs> yeah, well, Andy, uh, I think there are a lot of uh, advisors and investors who would not argue with you on that whole thing, because uh, it, it is definitely a, a challenge. Uh, what is the best advice you've ever heard about investing, Andy? Stay in the market. Don't over leverage and be disciplined. Manage your capital and don't over leverage 
The, that's the key. Make sure that every investment, every trade has a plan before you enter it for risk and reward. You know, prices go up, they go down. They tend to go up a lot further than analysts and people like me and, 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 and you, know, you know, pundits think possible. They tend to go down far lower than they think possible. Go with the trends, but watch the leverage because leverage is what causes the most problems. Yeah, as we uh, as we know, and as we all found out uh, in two thousand and eight. So, for our listeners who would like to know more, and for many of them, I'm sure this is uh, uh, a subject with which they have a much lower recognition and familiarity than uh, with the equities and uh, bond marketplaces. So, where can they go to learn more here? Well, I'm a partner at Bubba Trading with Todd Bubba Horowitz, and we have a website called. Uh, which is www.bubbatrading.com. And um, we offer all kinds of educational uh, tools and proprietary algorithms. And I'd like to invite everyone. We do, Bubba and I do a call every Monday uh, at about 4.30 Eastern time. If you go to the website, you know, the call is free. You can come on and join us and listen to what we do and what we say. And we, we talk about markets and, you know, that's how. That's the best way to learn to to talk about markets. And and I presume those are uh, all available on demand. You know, for last weeks, weeks before, etc. Uh, yeah, we have recordings out for all of them. Um, but you know, the live ones are the best because you get to you get to ask questions in the chat. And we answer them. <laughs> okay, and and has that been a good experience for you? It has been. You know, look, Bubba is a more media uh, savvy guy. I am a writer. I like to put my thoughts in on paper. So I do very few interviews. I'm very honored to do one with you today. Um, you can read all my articles on Seeking Alpha, on investing.com, on bar charts. I'm there every day. I probably put out 25 to 30 articles a week on a variety of different markets, everything from stocks to bonds to every single commodity. So I'm out there. Um, and uh, I, I like to I like the written word. I enjoy the writing. Yeah, well, if you do that many a week, uh, I got to hand it to you, and uh, you, you must keep those regulators busy too. <laughs> well, as far as the regulators are, are concerned, I take a very even-handed approach with um, you know kind of my investments. I, I point out the positives and the negatives, and um, you know I want everyone to know that there's there's risk out there. And um, listen, I'm very even-handed when it comes to my, my view on markets, politics, and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So, Andy, uh, final words for our listeners here. My final word is, it looks like the pandef- pandemic is ending here in the U.S., courtesy of herd immunity from the vaccines. However, the tidal wave of liquidity from central banks and the tsunami of government stimulus programs means that the legacy will live on for years to come. And that legacy is inflationary pressures. And that's bullish for commodities. Okay, thank you very much. Well, Andy, this has just been a delightfully interesting. And uh, we really appreciate you taking time with us here today and offer our best wishes for your continued success as well as that of uh, Bubba Trading. And hope that you have many long years of quality writing here at Seeking Alpha. So thank you again for joining us. And thank you so much for having me, Charlie. It's an honor. So again, uh, we've been listening 
to Andrew Heck, partner at BubbaTrading.com. And this is uh, Strategic Investor Radio. I'm Charlie Wright. We'd love to hear from you at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. And you can access all of our previous interviews and shows at strategicinvestorradio.com. Again, this is Charlie Wright wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host, Charlie Wright, or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing. <laughs>